Hey, y'all. Hey, yeah, thanks, two people. What's good? Hey, my name is Jordan. This is Lauren. And uh, I told her that I'd, I'd have our notes ready, but our notes didn't import. So um, you're going to have to forgive me for two seconds as I, as I pull this up. You can introduce well, us. Well, I can, I can start. Hi, I'm Lauren. This is Jordan. We're speaking tonight. Uh, we uh, work at a church called Soul Sanctuary. It's in South Winnipeg. Yeah, what's um, up? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. we got some nice community over there, and we're just so pumped to be with you tonight. And so the Ascent doesn't just happen every week. There's an incredible team, an invested team, who just love young adults and want to see young adults come to know a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And so I want to take a moment to honor the director, Brittany. Brittany. Yo, where's Brittany at? Are you in here? I see her back there. Oh, Brittany, right there. We're talking to you right now. <laughs> Brittany has such a deep level of investment into this community. Her heart just beats for Riverwood and it beats for the youth and young adults in Winnipeg. So thank you, Brittany, for all that you do, for the fearless leadership that you give and the servant attitude you always display. We love you and I know this community loves you too dearly. So let's Come on, let's give it up for Britt. Uh, Britt, thanks for the invite to be here. Um, like I, I was saying, I'm Jordan, Lauren, you said uh, we serve at a church called Soul Sanctuary in South Winnipeg. We have zero kids, but we do have a dog, and uh, she's super cute. Uh, might be TMI, but she pooped like every hour on the hour for the last four days, got super sick, and so we haven't had any sleep for the last four days because we get to be puppy parents, right? Anybody with me? Any real parents in the house? Yeah, no, any puppy parents in the house? Okay, yeah. so almost nobody with me. That's okay. That's okay. The real parents, like, you don't even know. And the puppy parents, like, I, I feel you. Okay. Uh, hey, we're excited to be a part of this series. Uh, we're, we're thankful for the invite. And, and we recognize, as we dive into, into our conversation today, uh, lyrics and lies, we recognize something. I mean, I recognize that there's one parent in the room, that much I got. But the rest of you, you're somewhere on this spectrum when it comes to relationship. Uh, you, you're, you're single, maybe you're dating, maybe you're engaged, maybe you, you just came out of a, a, a rough relationship, maybe you just had your heart broken, uh, maybe you're married, maybe you're, you're divorced. You, we, we all come here uh, with, with, I mean, our baggage, right? We all come here with our past. And so tonight, knowing that, knowing that we, uh, we, each one of us brings something different to this conversation, uh, our goal here is to encourage you. But, but I don't want to be here to encourage you uh, just with like some self-help tips, like that's not what we're about. I, I, I want to go to the scripture tonight. I, I want to go to the Bible. The source of, source of all truth is God, and, and he tells us who he is in the scripture. And, and my desire is that the God of the universe meets you where you're at tonight. That, that no matter what you walked in here with, that the God of the universe meets you where you're at. I mean, when we're formed, look at us. We're like so in so sync, girl. Connected, so connected. <laughs> when we're formed in the ways of Christ. When we're formed, formation is a process. But when we're formed in the way of Christ, we begin to be able to act rightly, to be able to, to think rightly, to be able to live rightly in a way which is uh, glorifying to God. Mm -hmm. And we all have a need for human connection. We're created to live in relationship with one another. Some of us will end up in romantic relationships, perhaps marriage, and some of us won't. But we must acknowledge that God created us for connection with one another. We're not just meant to live in isolation. We're meant to live in community. This idea was illustrated right from Genesis when God said that it is not good for man to be alone. 
So throughout our relationship, Jordan and I have played we're a married, game. By yeah, the we're way. married. We're married. parents. We're married, three you know. and a half years. Yeah, three and a half years married. Uh, dated for almost four years. So we've been together for a little bit of time. But throughout our relationship, knew each other in junior high. Yes. Oh, we're, we're going. Oh, we're going <laughs> way back. When we were in junior high, I had an eraser that said "for big mistakes," and I went like this on her. She didn't talk to me for a while, yeah. but she got over it. She married me. Praise the Lord that got life doesn't end at high school. That's all I'm saying. Life continues after high school. It's a, it's a glorious thing. So Jordan and I, as I said, throughout a relationship, we have played a game that I like to call what is Jordan thinking about at this very moment? And so Jordan, when he's thinking about something, he normally stops talking. He gets really silent and contemplative. He, he kind of gets this furrowed brow. And I just know, I know there's something going on in his brain. And I want to know, what in the world is Jordan thinking about? So I decided I would go through and answer a couple of the crimes that I've told jo or asked Jordan, what is he thinking about? I'll give you his responses. So I'll say, Jordan, what are you thinking about? And I quote from Jordan, nothing, absolutely nothing. I am breathing and existing with no thoughts. Fellas, come on now, right? <laughs> You've been there. Yes. Thank so you, was, thank you, thank you. I was you. off on You've what he there. was thinking about. Another one, Jordan, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about classroom sizes and their effectiveness for learning and Trump. And, and I could okay. justify why he's, I was thinking about that. You know, I could draw the line. Yeah, <laughs> education like through university. So he, he knows some stuff about classroom. Um, another one, Jordan, what are you thinking about? Well, I was wondering what type of con I'd be running if I didn't have my Christian morals. Saved by so grace. Am I right? Like, Somebody. Cool. cool. So I'm dating a con artist, but praise the Lord that he's been saved. So that's awesome. And so when Jordan and I were dating, we had just finished having, I thought, a great talk about marriage, our futures, our hopes, our dreams. And then I noticed Jordan gets silent. And I noticed that blank stare, that furrowed brow come across his face. And I was like, it's time to play. So I was like, hey, Jordan, what you thinking about? And he looks at me and he says, well, I was just thinking about how I was worried that when we get married, you'll be around all the time and I won't have any moments to myself. I mean, in that moment, that's what I was worried about, all right? So Don't throw stones. <laughs> true story. True story. I asked him if I could tell this story, but it is 100% legit. So this is not an overly surprising answer to my, uh, my question I asked him because our whole relationship was built on a lot of hard work, over-communication in every area, and by the grace of God knowing that Jordan and I had to be together someday. So I refused to be offended by his answer, and I replied with a light touch on his arm and a kind smile, and I said, we will get through this unbearable mountain together. And a few years later, in one marriage, this guy actually doesn't enjoy being by himself at home, and he will wait for me to come home. So I like tracker on Find My Friends. I'm like, girl, where are you at? <laughs> the Jets game is over. I like come home from hanging out with a friend. He's like, where have you been? It's been so long. It's 9 p.m. I missed you. And I'm like, well, that was not your, your, your issue when we were dating. But things do change, ladies. Things do change. And with all that being said, whether you can admit it now or not, you are wired for human connection and its various forms, and it's vitally important to who you are as a child of God. We recognize that God deeply understands our need for connection, and we cannot do life alone. Uh, the series that, that we're in here, The Ascent, is, is lyrics and lies. And so uh, our desire tonight is to identify two lies that our culture tells us, that dominant Western North American culture tells us let's identify two lies and then let's expose them with truth. Let's expose them with truth 
from God's word. Like I said, God is the source of truth, and he reveals himself to us in the scripture. So let's get at it. I think the first lie that, that we want to tackle tonight is this idea of knowing yourself. This idea that, that, that before you can really be in a relationship with somebody, you've got to know yourself. I mean, it's in, it's in music. It's on Instagram. I, I, I mean, it's on every motivational. You, any of you follow motivational Instagram accounts? You know, you just need that Apple Watch pump during the day, right, of motivation. <laughs> yeah. But it's all like, hey, know yourself. Know yourself. And, and I think that, that this is a lie. Now, bear with me. I, th- I think the truth here is that, that you really need to know God before you venture into a relationship. Undeniably, this is a dominant narrative. I mean, it, it hits us wherever we're at. You know, you need to know, you, you need to know your desire for a vocation, like what you want to do, who you want to be. You need to know what your personal preferences are, right? You need to know your Enneagram number. You need to know these things about yourself so that you can figure out how you're going to relate with somebody else. You've got to know what you want. You ever heard that? Like, what do you want, right? Before you get into that relationship, what do you want? And the underlying idea here is that you can know, uh, that if you know yourself before you go into a relationship, that should that relationship end, I mean, come on, like, if if you have that line of thinking before you're going into it, you're, you're setting yourself up for a world of hurt. But should that relationship end, if you know yourself, you can come out on the other side, and you can still be yourself, you know? Not too reliant on, on, on a partner. Not, 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 not just like your, your whole being is, is lost in that partner. And I mean, there's some virtue there, but I think it's really masking us from the motive or, or what our motive should be, which is to know God. The idea of knowing yourself, like I said, it's a lie. It sounds really good to our modern ears. It seems like a logical thing to do, yet there is no degree of self-knowledge that I can attain There is nothing, uh, there is no degree of self-knowledge that I can attain that's going to set me up for a long-lasting, healthy relationship. That's not what gets you to a healthy relationship. The problem here is our focus. Where's your focus when it comes to a relationship? You know, we're married. Where's my focus when it comes to our marriage? I mean, I got some friends who, who who, who showed up here tonight. Like, where is my focus, Everett, when it comes to our friendship, right? Is my focus on me? Is my focus what Everett can do for me? It's definitely not, because Everett works for me sometimes, and he bills me, right? So I go find somebody who didn't bill me. You should get paid. It's good. But where's our focus? Is our focus on self? That's the question. There's, there's this myth, the myth of the autonomous self, the myth of the free self, right? The idea is that the less encumbered or entangled you are, the less accountable you are to somebody or anchored you are to somebody, to any particular relationship, the better that you're going to be able to find your truest self and happiness, right? If I can just be my true self, I'm going to be happy. But if your deepest fulfillment is found in your personal autonomy, your, your, your personal freedom, then really, genuine relationships, they're more of a liability than an asset. And Lauren, Lauren established for us, I mean, you can't do life alone. This is, we, we understand this from reading the grand narrative of the Bible. You can't do this thing alone. And so what do we value? Where, where do we find our identity? I, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. That is my identity before any other defining characteristics. I am a child of God. 
I can't know anything about myself until I know who God says I am. I can't know anything truly about myself until I know what God already knows about me. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, you are a child of God. And truly, you can't know anything about yourself until you understand your foundational identity as a child of God. What does God say about you? I mean, let's talk about it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. You are no longer in darkness, but in light. So therefore, walk as children of light. Matthew 5, 14. You, followers of Christ, are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. You are to be an example for others to follow. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. You are called by God. Hear me out for all of you being like, I'm not called, or where's my calling? You are already called by God for what? For his purposes. For what he is going to put you up to. Revelation 17, 14. You are chosen by God for what? For his plans. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you are witnesses and workers on his behalf. So get up your sleeves. And guess what? There's no invoicing in that relationship with God. I love you, dude. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 15, verse 57, you are victorious over sin. How? Through Christ. I mean, some of you, you're just living in sin, and you're like, oh, man, my old man didn't die today, right? You know, I've been baptized. I'm a Christian, but my old man keeps winning. No, 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 no. You are victorious through sin today through Jesus Christ. Romans 8, chapter 18. You have a glorious future. Where? In Christ. Philippians 3, verse 20. You are a citizen of heaven. You know, you're not a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. For a moment and for a time, you got dual citizenship. But just like Russia, you know, you can't have dual citizenship. One day, <laughs> heaven's not like Russia. That parallel ends here. <laughs> but at some point, you, you forfeit your, your earthly citizenship, but you retain your heavenly citizenship. And so what are you working towards building? Your earthly citizenship and the empire here, the kingdom here? Or are you building a kingdom that, you'll be, that you will be a part of forever? 2 Corinthians 5.20 you are his ambassador. You are a saint. You are a servant to all. You are a steward. You are a soldier. You are an athlete. This is what the Bible says about you. This is what God says about you. And before you can know anything about yourself, you have to know what he says about you. You have to know what he already knows about you. If you claim to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, then everything in your identity is fixed in the reality that Jesus is who he said he is. In his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And as such, your life must be lived in response to this. Like, we're, we're talking about relationships, but we, we can't even get to relationships before we lay down what is paramount to the life of a Christian. Your life is to be lived in response to Jesus. You're called to his purposes. Your future rests in him. Christ defines who you really are. And as we get to know him more, he begins to reveal to us more about who he says we are. There's that worship song. I am who you say I am, right? It's one of the ones that it's like really easy to sing. But take a moment. Is that where you find the root of your identity? 
we're always looking for that new life stage, that next best thing. One day I'll be a girlfriend, a wife, a mother. But let me be real with you. I don't want to die and just be remembered as a great wife. I want to die and be remembered as someone who loved God, someone who loved my family well, but also who loved all people well. I want to be remembered for the joy that I have in my spirit that can only be explained from the Holy Spirit working through me. I want to be remembered leaving a Christ-centered legacy, a legacy that was cultivated as I used my resources, time, and energy, not to achieve another title, but to build character and virtue through a deep and intimate relationship with Christ. There is nothing in this life that, is more, that will bring you more fulfillment than through Christ. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We need to quit seeing our lives broken up into segments or seasons. Our life as a whole needs to be lived in the response of who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. A new label isn't going to bring you fulfillment. Knowing yourself by your own efforts isn't going to make you a desirable partner. A sexual partner will not bring you ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction despite what Cosmo says. Are you practicing in the way of Jesus? Do you know God deeply and intimately? You want the secret to the happy and healthy marriage? Know God. Date nights, romance, couples counseling are all great things, but they pale in comparison to the importance of each partner knowing God deeply. We, should, we are asked regularly by youth and young adults in our church the question, should we... A lot of them sitting <laughs> right there. Should we date? Should I pursue this person? And our answer is always the same. Sure, you can date them, but if you lost that relationship or that significant other in your life, is Christ still enough for you? Do you draw your partner closer to Jesus, and does your partner draw you closer to Jesus? Uh, the church father, Augustine, for those of you like church history nerds, anybody? Do we have more church history nerds than parents? My girl right there. Anyone else? Yes, we got two. <laughs> Come on, this is good. Uh, for, for you church history nerds, uh, St. Augustine. Uh, he, he wrote a massive uh, a volume on his life called Confessions. And it was just, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant work of theology, but it's also just him sharing his story of before he knew Jesus and after he knew Jesus. And he said something that, that, that rings this point home and true to each one of us. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. That there is not, like Lauren said, there's, there's no title. There, there's nothing that you can achieve here that is going to bring you fulfillment and satisfaction. There's no amount of, I mean, apart from relationships, no amount of money you're going to make. There is nothing, there is nothing that will bring you fulfillment apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, I can't stress this point enough when it comes to relationships. Your, your priority in this life, your number one priority in this life must be deepening and strengthening your relationship with Jesus Christ. Continually cultivating intimacy with God. I mean, you, you want long-lasting intimacy with somebody else, you know, with the person across the room, maybe the person sitting next to you. You desire that, and that's a God-given natural desire. But before that's going to that's gonna be actualized in a healthy way, you have to cultivate that intimacy with God. There's nothing that can replace that. 
The second lie that, that we want to tackle is that in a, in a relationship, it's not about you. And we have this idea that, that how does this relationship serve my ends, right? Because I know myself, and I know what I want. And, and so then how does this relationship serve my ends? But a relationship is a partnership. Uh, nev- I mean, maybe the foundational moment for us when I recognized our relationship was a partnership, and it sounds pretty dumb, but bear with me. Uh, we were dating, and we went out to her family cottage in the White Shell. White Shell people? Jeez, man. Like, what do you guys do? Camping? Camping Does people? Does anyone go camping? Like, Starbucks people? Okay. Tim Hortons people? There's some people in here. Good oh, goodness me. The Lord. All right, you're here. Good stuff. We are... <laughs> We were on the White Shell, and we were at her family cottage, and, and we woke up one morning, and we were going to go do this long kayak uh, trip in a double kayak. And uh, if you've ever been in a double kayak or canoe, which most of you haven't because you don't do anything, but if you have, if you have, you would know that you need to be in rhythm with the person either in front of you or behind you when you're paddling, right? Or else you just end up going in circles or it tips. It's one or the other. You've got to be on the same page. And so we were still decently early in our dating relationship, and so... We, we, didn't, we had plenty of problems after this moment. Okay, this was not like the crowning no. jewel of our relationship. <laughs> It'd uh, be nice, but no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, we were in this kayak together, and we set off. And I, I like to burst out in song. It's just something I do. If you know me really well, you'll know that I just like to sing. I mean, s- some of our staff are here, too, in the office. Every now and again, I'm just going to belt it out if I'm feeling it, right? <laughs> and so as we're paddling, just like subconsciously, this song came to my mind. And it was a song from when I was like an angsty preteen. And uh, it was by a band called Reliant K. And, uh, Any Reliant K fans out there from yeah, their, okay, 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 there we go, there we go. So, <laughs> so it's a song called Must Have Done Something Right. And the, the first, oh, I see a couple like, oh, yeah, they're like, that was my jam too. And so the, the, the song starts playing in my head, so I start to sing it, right? It's, we should get jerseys because we make a good team, but yours would look better than mine because you're out of my league. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so... I start singing this song, but the crazy part is, I didn't know, but she knew the song too. And so now we're kayaking, like, <laughs> and we're singing the song together. And it was this perfect, like, moment from above that had been brought to us. And I was like, she's the one, right? She's the one. A dove floated down. It was just beautiful. <laughs> but it was in that moment, no word of a lie, that that moment was a defining marker in our relationship because it showed us something. It, it, the stupid lyrics to that stupid song showed us the importance of being a team. It showed us the importance, I mean, with the kayak and with the song and and with the sunshine and the sunburn that came from it on my neck, (laughs) everything in that moment was like, she's a teammate I don't want to lose. She's a teammate I don't want to lose. And Laura and I use that language in our relationship to this day. Our marriage is not about what I can get from her. It's not about what she can get from me. It's our partnership, and it's the team that God has unified. We are on the same team here. When we're stressed out, we, 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 we literally pause to remind each other <laughs> that we're on the same team. When we are fighting, one of us, probably the more self-righteous one in the moment, <laughs> pauses the fight to remind us that we're on the same team. When my dog pooped halfway up my wall... <laughs> And I looked at her, no word of a lie. I was chopping onions this week, uh, and she, she rang the bell to go outside, and we are like, there's no way. We took her out. She pooped 30 seconds ago. Yeah. 
And she pooped all over my white curtains. And I looked at Lauren. It's a sound I will never, <laughs> ever forget. Sorry, for, sorry Brittany, for desecrating the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but I looked at her, and she looked back at me. And we had to remind each other that we're on the same team. When we kicked each other in bed, it's your turn, it's your turn, take the dog out, okay? <laughs> we reminded each other, no word of a lie, that we're on the same team. When we left our wedding ceremony, it was just fitting that, 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 that the bumping part of that song is what was going to send us on the way out. And it was loud, and it was a party, and it was a perfect symbol to us that as we exited that little chapel where we committed to each other for life, that we were teammates. In our society, we have this idea that relationships should serve us well all the time. But the truth of a team means that there is give and there is take, and that there is a moment where your marriage does not serve you well, and in those moments, both humility and sacrifice is required. Guess what? When you enter a relationship with someone else, you've decided to put your preferences and interests second. You've decided to prioritize someone else in your life. The scripture teaches us that in marriage, you are now one unit. And to be one unit means that the selfish parts of you have to die. If you've given your life to follow Christ, you're already familiar from this form of life. Life in the way of Christ, not in the way of self. When two people are following Christ and enter into a relationship with one another, the road is infinitely smoother because they've already developed the virtues of self-sacrifice, giving, humility, and unconditional love. See, you could have the best player on your team, but everyone knows if their attitude sucks, you don't want to keep them around. Evander Kane, right? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, you know? They may be talented, but their attitude might tear you down. Your, the attitude will tear you down and ultimately destroy. In Philippians 2, Paul tells us to follow the example of Jesus Christ who humbled himself and died for our sins. Christ is the peak example of humility, an example for us to follow. We go to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and onward, and it, it, it's simple wisdom literature. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work, right? If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Usually Lauren's cold feet on my shins. Thank you. But how can one keep warm alone? The one might be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I mean, relationships of all sorts are partnership. You're working together, especially a romantic relationship. It is partnership. You're on the same team. It's not about what you get from it. It's what you can give. And when you're both oriented properly, understanding that it's what I can give, then relationship, I mean, it, it, it's not a walk in the park, but it's made simple. It's made simple as you communicate with each other, as you talk honestly about what's on your heart, as you don't have to put up false pretenses in front of you to try to impress them or manipulate them to get your way. As you leave here tonight, above all things, our challenge to you is, is coming in guests into this house, our challenge to you is that, that you can cultivate intimacy with God. Above every other relationship. I mean, 
I, I, I know the longing for companionship. I know the longing for a romantic partner. You know it. We both know it. We all have it, or many of us have it. Some of us don't. But in that, can you set your priorities first on God? How do you cultivate this intimacy? I think the, the first one, bar none, hands down, get involved in a local church. Find a church and plant roots. Riverwood Church is, is probably the best church for you to do that at. You're here already. Find it. Okay. My 20-something friends, let's go. Quit church shopping. Stop. You will never, the grass is not greener somewhere else. You will never find a church with perfect leadership. Brit is going to let you down. We're going to let you down if you're members of our community. In fact, we're probably going to hurt you at some point. There are pastors at the church that you are currently like, you know, halfway in at. They're not perfect. But this is the beauty of community, that we can learn and cultivate the virtues of forgiveness. That we can learn and we can cultivate, cultivate the virtue of love. These things that Christ has called us to. So please, for the love of God, I can say this. Quit church shopping. Find a community. Don't, don't blame. I mean, if you haven't been involved in a church, don't blame your lack of spiritual depth on anybody but yourself. I don't have to be here next week. <laughs> but I mean it. You don't grow yourself by traveling, okay? You don't grow yourself by traveling. The, the only things that, that travel really well are tumbleweeds and they're dead, right? But if you want to be the tree, the tree that is planted, that bears fruit, that does not wither. Moving on. Get committed to a local church community, full stop. In the context of a local church community, you get to surround yourself with intergenerational mentors. You bring yourself underneath leadership that can guide you and direct you and help you take next steps in your faith and can, hey, correct you. Who can challenge you. Begin cultivating spiritual disciplines of study, of prayer, of worship. I mean, start small. And these things are best done in the context of community. Have you ever read your Bible and you're just like flipping through the pages and you're like, ah, nothing for me today. Do it with a whole bunch of people around the circle. You know, when Paul showed up or, or, or when Paul wrote these letters and sent, you know, Timothy off to go deliver this letter and Timothy gets the letter open. He's not like, here, you read it and then pass it along. He's like, no, 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 everybody come here for a moment and I'm going to proclaim the word of God to you here. Paul's written us a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit. So get together in community and read the Bible together. The success of your current and future relationships is directly relating to your willingness to work in partnership with someone else rather than pursuing your own selfish ends. Remember that relationships are partnerships meant to bring God glory. So we must humble ourselves like Christ did and seek the betterment of our partner and the glory of God in all things. When you take time to cultivate your relationship with God, you will see long-lasting fruit, I promise. 
The choices you make today have a direct impact on your tomorrow. Your future spouse will thank you for the heart work that you're doing today. At Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, Therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so you've received Christ Jesus, if you're a Christian here, that's you, continue to live in him. Just like all those verses I rattled off earlier. You know, your purpose, your future, your plans, they're his plans. So continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's our prayer for you. That's our prayer for you. Take a next step in your relationship with Christ. If you don't know how, talk to somebody here at the Ascent and be like, hey, I'm stagnant, you know, I'm not moving here in my relationship with Jesus. And, and, and Britt and the team here, they're going to they're walk you into deeper things of Christ. Draw close to God. Read your Bible and do it in community. Pray, worship, learn from the godly mentors in your life. Get involved in your local church and thank God every step of the way. Be confident that God will provide for you. You in your sing season of singleness, right? Be confident that God will provide for you, but be confident knowing that His plans don't always look like your plans. And it's a tough pill to swallow, and I can't promise you an easy ride, but I can promise you life and life to the full, just like Jesus promised all of us. He knows what's best, and he'll care for you in all things. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person who walked through the door tonight, and I thank you that they didn't walk in here mistakenly. God, that you have a plan and purpose and future for their life, and all of those things are fixed in them understanding who you say they are, what you've called them to, what their future looks like in Christ. And Lord, my prayer, prayer is for each person who has a deep yearning for companionship, for partnership, uh, for marriage, for, for whatever it might be, for relationship. God, we thank you for that yearning. We know that it's good. My prayer, Lord, is that it's rightly oriented first to you so that they can build relationship with you. Lord, your spirit meets us here. And God, continue that work of digging up the things that we hide, of shining light on our darkness. May we confess of our sin, repent from it, turn from it, and cling to you. Because we know that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life. And so we come to you tonight. Cultivate us, cultivate in us, the fruit of your spirit, the virtues of, of love, the virtues of joy, the virtues of, of peace and patience. God, continue this work in us until the time that we see you clearly face to face. We thank you and we love you, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.